Networking and marketing made simple is for you, the business owner who has a product, a service, or a message that you believe in. My name is Scott Aaron, and each week we'll take a behind the scenes look into the real world marketing and networking tactics and strategies for getting what you have in front of you to a lot more people. Thanks for spending time with me. And now let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Networking and Marketing Made Simple. Super excited for today's interview episode as I do get such wonderful feedback from all of you um, on how uh, open and transparent and nice it is to hear other people's journeys and stories of things that they had to do to get to where they are to give you the necessary tools to achieve the success that you want. And uh, really excited about who I'm interviewing today. Um, she's a best-selling author. She is the host of the Space for Magic podcast, uh, an intuitive coach. And you know, I asked her, you know, what really makes you different than other intuitive coaches out there? Um, she combines brain science with metaphysics, which really does put her, um, we call it as a category of one, which is um, really in your own space. And a lot of you may be listening and your, your head may be spinning already. What's intuitive coaching? Uh, what's brain science? What's metaphysics? So all those questions will be answered and more. And with that, Patty Lennon, welcome to today's episode. Thank you for having me, Scott. I'm so happy to be here. Well, grateful to have you here. And uh, before we dive into all of those things, the, the, the one question that people love to know and want to hear about is what do you feel was the catalytic moment for you in your business journey that sent you down this path of becoming an intuitive coach to leveraging brain science and metaphysics to get to where you are now and where you're going into the future? I mean, there's been a few like most of us, but the, the one that was really pivotal for me, I was already in business, was the death of my mom. And so that was a period of time where I was a type A corporate banker. When I started my business, I was leaving corporate banking. I was setting out on my own. I had an image, an idea, an identity. But a few years into it, when my mom crossed through a journey of cancer, which was a, you know, a slower death journey, really not acknowledging my intuitive gifts and not bringing metaphysics into my world became just challenging because it was a big part of my life at the time. And um, brain science has always been, you know, psychology, why the brain acts the way it does around metaphysical topics and around, you know, law of attraction manifestation has always fascinated me. I have a master's in psychology. And so that was the place where my type anus made sense of all the woo. And from that point on, from when she had passed, it was really when I, you know, committed more to this side of the journey. What do you feel was the greatest lesson for you in, you know, leaving the corporate side of business, moving into the entrepreneurial side of business? Um, well, I left corporate banking still loving corporate banking. So my journey looked a little bit different than I think some people's does when they when they're just tired of the corporate slog. For me, though, it was understanding how much potential we have in this world. You know, when you're contained inside a corporate environment, you really are contained by the 
missions and the ideas and the expectations of so many people. And when you leave that, all of a sudden, you know, all bets are off and, and you really have potential in so many different directions. So that for me was the biggest shift um, and the most exciting part of doing it. So, you know, entrepreneurship is a, it's a roller coaster for a reason. Um, you know, I, I've had the fortunate ability to uh, be psychologically unemployable since day one. I, I started um, in business uh, with my family when I was 19 years old. So I, I don't really know anything else besides working for oneself. And, you know, a lot of people go through different life paths and uh, they go through different journeys to end up in this entrepreneurial space. What do you, what's one thing that you thought entrepreneurship was outside looking in, um, as to when you got behind the curtain to find out what entrepreneurship was all about, you're like, Whoa, this is not what I expected. Um, well, I think I have two answers for you because one, I, my, the answer that popped into my head immediately, I'm not sure it's going to answer your question directly, but I thought I had managed multi, multi-million dollar tech budgets. I had managed huge teams in the bank. I had been responsible for product development for our Fortune 100 company. So I thought oh, creating a six-figure business, like psh, that'll be easy. So that was that was the one thing. The other thing was, because I think you've always been an entrepreneur, whereas I felt called onto this path. So for people who feel called to what they do, which I know is what you do, Scott, like I know you feel a level of service in what you do, but I really thought when you walked onto the path of like service or your calling is God or whatever word you use for that would take care of the sales and marketing. Like I thought that like the thing was to answer the calling. I didn't know the thing was then to ask for money and then talk about yourself and do all these other uncomfortable things. Yeah, I mean, there's so many layers to what you just said because you know, uh, intuitive coaches, uh, law of attraction, manifestation, what what everyone listening to this needs to know. I don't do intuitive coaching. But my wife and I uh, work towards the law of attraction and manifestation. How do we do that? Well, we have goal boards. So right behind me, people can't see this, but sitting right behind me is what we call our happening board, the things that we want to happen this year. And what you can focus on and what you can visualize, you kind of alluded to it, you then have to put certain things into action to create the return and the result that you want. It's not just saying, you know, I'm called to something, you know, I'm going to think about a million dollars and you know what, it's going to appear in my bank account in about 90 days. You, right. part of it is, is thinking it into reality. That that's one thing, but what people need to understand what it means to think something into reality is there are actions that need to be put into place when it goes from thought into reality and in between thought and reality is action. And yeah. as you said, that's sales, that's marketing, that's putting yourself out there. That's letting people know about your gift and what you're good at. How are people so, supposed to give you money for something that you do if they don't even know how you do it? Because there are billions of people online every single day that are all fighting for the same attention of similar people but what can you do to really make yourself stand out? Now, 
something else that, you know, obviously is big about entrepreneurship is that, you know, whether you're called to it or whether it's just a part of your DNA, you know, when you have a heart of service, things really start pushing you in a certain direction. And the other thing I'll tell people is, you know, you may be doing something right now, three to five years from now, you may be doing something completely different. So, you know, Patty, with that in mind, when, when you first started with what you wanted to, be do, wanted to be doing with the intuitive coaching and the manifestation and um, all those things that you love, the brain science, the, the metaphysics, how, how did it evolve over time to where it is right now? And, and now I'm sure as you can relate, once the entrepreneurial lid is taken off and you are left to your own devices where you can start creating and do all these things, where do you see yourself going with all the things that you know and love to do right now? Well, I mean, where I see myself going is really focused on the media side of what we do. So, you know, right now we're just starting to certify people in the method that I had built. And this was, this method was built on, you know, a lot of what's taught in law of attraction and manifestation is not, um, it's either one ego-based and it's not based in soul work, which really can mess up, you know, stuff cannot come in and you're confused because you're doing everything right, quote unquote, understanding that your soul has to be on board. Like it's not just your ego. That's one piece of it. The other side of it is understanding you can be doing everything spiritually, quote unquote, right. But if your brain is in the way, you have to understand the role the brain plays. And what I felt is that a lot of the teaching, the mass media out there really discounts the brain. It's like, nope, just get it to think the shit you want it. Oh, is this explicit? I'm sorry. So get it to think the shit you want it to think, and then you can have everything, right? No, 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 no. There's, there's the conscious level of the brain, and then there's the stuff that goes on in the unconscious and subconscious. And if you don't understand the role those are playing, you will never succeed in using this particular law. So for me, it's really influencing media, like what gets out there, which means certifying people to do the the boots on the ground work of the teaching so that I can be on more stages and put out more videos and be generating content that's helpful and gets people to succeed. I love that. It's, it's serving the online space in the way that you want to serve it to, to leave people better. But having a conglomerate of people that, that have the same alignment and vision that you do with the method that you created to, to continue to spread that message, to continue to help and serve other people. The one thing I did want to ask you, because you would know this better than me, um, you know, we're in similar spaces in the sense of coaching, consulting, helping people. Um, you've seen uh, an uptick, I would say, in the last three to five years of law of attraction manifestation coaches, Bob Proctor and such. And there are people like you that do it the right way, where you're, you're taking what you've learned, you're combining strategies, techniques, systems, flows to get people to an end result. But just like with, with any other coaching industry, it's, it's a very wide net right now with coaches. Um, do you feel that there are people that, not that you know necessarily, but within the manifestation 
and the law of attraction space and coaching. Do you feel, as you mentioned, the whole ego side of things, do you feel that there's people out there that are out of alignment and I don't want to say misrepresenting what law of attraction and manifestation is, but there are people that are charging a ton of money to teach people, quote unquote, law of attraction and manifestation and not really fully understanding the scale of how that's actually done and people not getting the results that they want? I think that's, that's across the entire coaching industry. You know, I think that's across the entire personal development space. And, and it has always been, I think the reason there's an increase in, um, you might see more metaphysically oriented coaches right now. And over the last three to five years is directly a result of in 2012, we shifted into a into a different vibrational space on the planet. And most people get confused about what that means, especially when there's dark and ugly stuff happening. And like, well, does that mean we're not, the vibration of the planet is not rising up and that we're, you know, the minute, uh, one of the rules of thumb that I have, and I feel bad because I know there's some really solid coaches that use this term, but if you hear a coach or any teacher telling you they're going to help you get to the fifth dimension or they're in the fifth dimension, or like if they reference the fifth dimension, like, I'm sorry, I go running. And the reason is not because they're not doing that, but the fifth dimension is sort of this next level of beingness, right? Of beyond this human experience. We're not here to be in the fifth dimension. That wasn't why we incarnated. If we wanted to be in the fifth dimension, there were other planets out there that would be far more helpful to us, right? It's because there's this idea that there's this utopian space when we all vibrate properly, where we'll all just be in peace. And, and that is going to come eventually, I truly believe, but I don't think it's going to I, there is a, a level of transformation that needs to happen. And transformation, like any caterpillar in its cocoon, is messy and it's filled with goo and it doesn't have strong lines and it's confusing and it's scary. And there's a lot of conversation out there that makes people feel like I can take you out of the scary goo of transformation that you're in and put you in this safe space. And really what you want to be searching for is people that tell you, I can give you the courage to know who you are, even when you're go. And to me, that's sort of the problem of it. And I do think all those coaches are in alignment with themselves because they're still very ego-based. So I don't think they're, they feel out of alignment. I just think they're so in their egos. They don't know that there's something else. I could not agree more. And, and I love how you stated that coaching in general, because just like that fifth dimension buzzword for you, for me, it's anyone that guarantees a certain amount of income in a certain amount of time, yeah. you know, and people get the, you know, you want to make $50,000 a month. I can teach you how to, I, I don't, I don't care what kind of system you have in place. As soon as someone and, and that's why it's a trigger for me because I'm sure you feel the same way. I'm a big feel type person where mm -hmm. I feel responsible uh, being a coach to deliver the results that people really want. Yeah. And it's, again, and I, my wife and I never put like a monetary return on something. We just want to, we want to show people how to grow a business that they love and the, the, the monetary 
effect of that is whatever they put the value of that to. It's different for every person. My, my concept of money is different from the next person's, from the next person's. But when when you fall into that trap that these people have, you know, I can teach you how to have six figure months, or you know, I can add uh, thirty thousand dollars a month, you know, uh, without jumping on a phone call with anybody in the next ninety days. Like, I'm sorry, it's just that is not possible. And maybe it's done a few times, but I I don't play the lottery at all. I'm not a gambling man. You know, if I go to the casinos, it's to kind of just hang out. I don't, I don't, I don't play that kind of game. Um, I'm not a I'm not a type of person that plays the guaranteed things, but I stay in my zone of genius. And, and I think you stated it really, really well that, you know, these, these people don't feel they're out of alignment because their ego is so strong. It, it is so, it's their driving force that you're almost blinded by other things that are out there. And, you know, in respect to that, because, and especially in the last two and a half years with the pandemic and everything that's been going on, you and I both know the online space has gotten so flooded, so flooded. Yeah. When it, when it comes to coaching and, and setting yourself apart from other people, so what, what have you learned about your journey in, in really positioning yourself as a much different intuitive coach, you know, you know combining uh, the love of brain science and psychology and um, and metaphysics and all of those things. How, how have those passions of yours meshed into one really aligned you differently from other people out there? Well, I, I think if I'm understanding the question is, you know, like how can I describe it so that someone listening can, can apply it maybe to their own world. And I will tell you the things that have set me apart at one point were things I hid about myself that I tried to keep really quiet. So the fact that I have intuitive gifts and just to be very clear, when I say intuitive, I mean that late in life, I started to see people from the other side of the veil. Like I have psychic gifts, right? To this day, the corporate banker inside of me like cringes and is like, oh God, she's a party trick, you know? So there is, I think the things that make you really unique that are going to send up, you know, your freak, freak flag to the world so that the other fellow freaks can find you is things that at some point were either embarrassing or you thought would actually negatively affect your bottom line or would, you know, niche you down and not niche in terms of demographic, but niche in terms of appeal. Um, you in a way that will you'll lose clients or lose financial stability. That's what got me to where I am now. You know, like I very squarely sit with what I call woo curious people. So I serve people who find it interesting, but aren't full in the woo. And I do that and I distance a lot of far crazy woo people because I will never get that far out in outer space with you. Like I can't, like my brain won't go there, you know? So I think that's the, that's the specific thing is these were all things that at one point made me feel either shame, guilt, fear, something. And embracing them makes me breathe easier and makes it a lot easier to describe who I am. Everybody wants to live the best life possible. You know, no one really wants to live for mediocrity. 
And obviously there's certain things that need to be done to allow ourselves to, to get to a certain place. And, you know, being a coach and obviously working with a lot of people in uh, manifesting what they want and the action that needs to be taken behind it. What do you still see in the people that you've spoken to, that you've worked with, that you know, what are those still common struggles that people are having that are still not allowing collectively human beings to, to really step into their power and live the life that they really want, where they're, they're happy, they're drama-free as, as much as you can be drama-free with everything that's going on, uh, but just really living with intention. I mean, it, the thing that comes up and it's still alive for me is just feeling like not enough. Like I haven't done enough to allow this goodness. And you might not recognize that that's the problem on the surface. It might be the feeling of, oh, I still have six things on my to-do list before I can go to bed tonight. It might be the feeling of, did I take care of my kids well enough today, this week, this year? It might be, um, uh, did I live up to my potential? And these are all symptoms of an underlying belief that we are fundamentally not enough. And also that someone sitting across from you that may not be showing up in the way you want them to, to show up, that they're not enough. When we need to start recognizing everyone is doing the very best they can with what they have. So where do you think that came from? Because we, we always hear, you know, you're perfectly imperfect just the way that you are, you know, um, you know, being enough and just the, the, the headspace that, that, that we have, you know, the six inches between our ears will either hurt you or help you. And it's funny, I go back to something that you said a few minutes ago about the, the big shift that happened in 2012. And I remember feeling uh, I, I know this may sound woo-woo to the people listening to this, but I remember because I, I got into the online space around 2012. You know, I was always doing corporate wellness speaking. I was always, I always felt like an enlightened person. I always was a positive person, but everything kind of got put under a microscope and then blown up in, in 2012 onward. It just seemed like there was just a huge shift of, of people being woke and awakened, so to speak, and, you know, personal development and podcasting and books and seminars and all those things, right? And it's still a big passion of myself and my wife. We love educating ourselves. And I'll even go further. I was at, I was at my 25th year high school reunion a couple of weeks ago. And an old friend of mine, Audrey, who um, she lives in Sweden now, and she came back and was visiting family and it happened to be the same weekend that our uh, reunion was and we were having a drink and and she goes I just got to tell you she goes I'll always remember you because she goes you were always so sweet to me always so kind to me and she goes the one thing that really stands out is that you always saw the best in people you know you all like she goes, I had a lot of struggles. And she goes, you know that. And she goes, you always told me how great I looked. And, you know, you just made me feel so good. And I'm like, well, I always see people for who they are, you know, because again, we talk about that, that reflection in the mirror, you know, we always see ourselves a certain way, but it takes that external person sometimes to say, hey, no, no, your, your hair does look great. What are you talking about? You, you look great right now. It doesn't make you look fat. You look, you look, you look awesome. 
So in, in, in that respect, um, what do you feel has really shifted or needs to shift in the I'm not enough area right now with people? So, I mean, this is really at the heart of the work that I do. Almost everything I do is teaching people how to receive. And um, to me, that's the essence of it is that our brains actually don't have a lot of concepts around receiving. Um, we have it around giving but we don't have it around receiving. We were untaught to receive and receiving is the, is the experience of knowing that you didn't have to do anything. The good stuff comes to you, right? It's not just to have to be earned. And where that comes from is as very small children, we are socialized to prioritize giving over receiving. If you think about like small children, three, four years old in a in a preschool setting, they share their toy. Everyone claps, is amazed, and is affirming the goodness of that child. But if a child says, I want, I want, I want, which obviously I have kids, I raise them. I don't want them growing up, always going, I want, I want, I want, and not sharing, which is why I socialize them to prioritize giving as well. But that I want, I need, for most people, no matter how evolved your parents are and the caretakers around you, you were not socialized to understand that's a valuable um, part of yourself to have needs. So any need you have then make you less than. So you're going to be constantly in a state of not enoughness because you're always going to have needs. And then there's a, an aspect of guilt that... Yes gets sprinkled on top because societally we were told, you know, the world is not your oyster. You can't have anything you want. That's selfish. Right. And so then the, the, the people that end up, you know, working a lot on themselves and really loving on themselves, putting themselves first, you know, you're, you're told that's selfish. No, 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 no. You got to fill other people's cups before you can fill yours. When you and I both know if you focus on filling other people's cups all day long, you're not going to have enough left at the end of the day to fill your own cup. And I remember, I remember posting something just like that on Facebook. Right. And I posted something that said, you know, um, it's never a bad thing to fill your cup first. So you have the ability to fill the cups of those around you, you know, always give to yourself before you give to others. Right. And an old family member of mine that I don't really talk to um, sent me like this scathing um, uh, private message basically uh, says, you know, I don't know who taught you that, but you have a completely backwards that that is a selfish statement. You always have to give first before you can actually give to yourself. And, and again, I know that's not her talking because I know that thoughts and feelings are generational. So something along her personal timeline, she was told that by someone in her life. It could be, you know, uh, her, her mother, her father, a sibling, another relative, those types of things, much like people's relationships with money. There's people that have issues receiving money. Why? Money doesn't grow on trees. Money is dirty. Money is evil, right? So it's all about, like you said, those specific timelines in our lives. So how does one start breaking those patterns that they are enough and it's healthy to want, it's healthy to need as much as it is to 
give and to share um, and to you know spread those kinds of things around? Well, this is where to me, the brain science becomes so helpful because there's tons of stuff out there that tell us this, right? That tell us how important self-love is and taking care of ourselves. You know, maybe that particular relative you mentioned is in her own journey, but even those of us in this space, I mean, we've been feeding ourselves this message for so long and we're still not, you know, I still am working on it, right? So what is it? And it's understanding, it's not getting at it at that conscious thought level. It's getting underneath it, which means you need to feed yourself the message, receive the message and act on it and create a result that gives you a positive emotional experience. So that's like, that's kind of hard to wrap your head around. If you're just listening to me say that I will tell you, like, I have lots of stuff, free stuff out there. We can talk about that will help you like get on that path. But if you take the time off, let's say in a day to take care of yourself, then you tell yourself you did a good job and then you give yourself a reward at the end of that and or ask the universe to show you that that was a good choice to sh- for the divine to show you that's a good choice and then you get that affirmation in either because you actively gave yourself a reward or the universe rewards you what happens is your brain releases the positive chemicals we associate with something good and then that's what starts to reprogram you at the subconscious level and once the subconscious starts to get on board with it all of a sudden the unconscious experience that you have in life starts to change and it's called the phenomenological approach. It's what cognitive behavioral therapy is based on. It's you think something different is the cognitive approach and and all of a sudden the world will start acting differently or you behave differently, feed a different behavior into your environment. Your environment's going to react differently. All of a sudden your mind's going to start to understand the world differently. That's, that is essentially it. We can't just keep building vision boards and booking spa days and, and cutting people out of our lives that are toxic. I mean, those are good things to an extent, but you have got to get underneath the, the unconscious programming if you want to shift it. And that means creating positive emotional experiences paired with behaviors. Yeah. I mean, you have to peel back all of the layers of the onion. If if it's just the surfacey type stuff, you can't expect certain things to happen or not to happen. And, and that's the thing. I mean, this is such a, a, a deep conversation that a lot of people are, you know, we, we want your heads to spin a little bit because we want you to start thinking differently. So let me, let me ask you this, Patty. If, if somebody was to, from a very foundational uh, level, um, you know, my wife and I always talk about, you know, for us and what we teach is, you know, we want to be able to explain our business to an eight-year-old where they will understand. Yeah. So a lot of people that are listening to this may not know anything about brain science or um, metaphysics or any of those things. How would you explain what it is that you do with people? And if, if someone it's not, maybe they're not ready for coaching, but what are some things that people can do to start shifting that intuitive mindset that they have to start really changing that vibration to more of a positive one where more things end up opening up for them? 
Yeah, and actually the way I had just described, I'll tell you, is far more complicated than the actual work. So, because no one needs to understand any of that to make it work. Um, all the reason I, the only reason I share it is just so that you understand why stuff you might have dedicated a lot of money, time, and energy to hasn't worked yet. And the optimal word is yet, because you actually built up a lot of currency in the bank account of good stuff by all that work you've done, but you got to open the door. So how do you open the door? And the, the basic is I help people learn how to receive. So then it's how do I learn to receive? What can I do on my own, Patty, that doesn't involve you or your, your yammering on about brain science? And so the first step is, in the morning, before you pick up your phone, before you deal with the dog, the kids, the partner, anyone, spend two minutes breathing into your heart center, just with your hands over your heart, breathing and connecting to your own inner voice. Your own inner voice actually has the wisdom you need. If you will just start with that, I won't even give you anything more to do because I have found when people just do this one thing, they are awestruck by how much of their day is dedicated from the moment they open their eyes to other people's agenda for their time. If you can just disconnect that one, one piece of your day and start the day connected to yourself over someone else, that is going to start to reprogram your brain right from, from moment one. Well, I believe in... Uh, visualization and all of those things. And so do um, I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do. Uh, Nancy and I do a, um, uh, a guided meditation every night before bed. Um, I have a gratitude journal. You know, I state what I'm grateful for something great that happened from that day. And it's so funny. I'm going to start doing the two minutes um, in the morning. I, I, I typically do something like that, but it's really interesting. So my, my wife always asks me, you know, where do you come up with your thoughts? Because I always do a morning post um, between 7 and 7.30. So I'm the captain in the morning. That's what she calls me. She takes a little bit longer to hatch in the morning. So I'm up at like 6. Um, I slowly start to wake her up. She's out of bed at 7. And again, like you said, before the dogs, before all that stuff, I always stand in my kitchen and um, I just, I just, I get quiet with myself and I just, I start thinking, I'm like, okay, what, what do people need to hear right now? Like, and, and I, I know it sounds kind of woo woo, but I, I listen for a message. Like what, like, so I end up having these thoughts in my head. I'm like, what, what's, what are people really needing to hear right now? So I think intuitively, you know, I'm, I'm really like tapping into my heart center because certain things come up and I'm like, that's it. That's what I'm going to post. And it takes me a couple minutes. It takes me like a minute and a half to two minutes to start because I start thinking about something I'm like, no. And, and then I kind of nail it down and I'm like, that's what I'm going to talk about today. But I think on top of that, that I already do, um, I think I'm, I'm going to sit there in, in silence as well with my eyes closed, my hands over my heart. And I'm going to breathe into that. I'm going to start that tomorrow. You have, you have my commitment right now and, and everybody on the podcast, you can hear it and you can ask me. How's everything going with your two-minute heart-centered breathing? And I will tell you how it's going. I'm a, I'm a creature of habit, so I know if I get it, if I start doing it, um, you know, a couple of weeks, it's going to be a part of my, you know, life. So I appreciate that. Now, Patty, as, as, uh, as we start to wind down, 
and you know close this thing out if someone is a little bit more intrigued than others about really finding out uh, about how you work with people things that you have out there resources ways to connect with you uh, what's the what's the best way for people to find out more about Penny Lennon and what she does? Uh, so I am um, the best place to go is to pattylennon.com and just you know shoot me an email from that website. Um, if you want to, if you want to ask me any personal questions or one-on-one -on -one questions, and then um, the best place to start with me, like getting clear about who I am and what I do, or if I can help you, is um, to go grab my book. And you can download the first chapter for free at the top of the website I just gave you, pattylennon.com, or go to pattylennon.com forward slash make space for magic. And it'll give you all the book resources on top of it. The reason I direct people to that first chapter, though, is because when you hear me from here, I've been doing this for 15 years. If you understood how broken and confused and unconscious I was, which is what I talk about in that first chapter, I think it'll help you understand. <laughs> You're already so much further along than I was when I started this journey. And I think we all more than anything need to know we are not alone. You know, that we are, that, you know, where you are, the confusion, the, the upset, whatever it is, I've been there and it's, you know, I know for you, Scott, your financial journey helps people understand you've ridden a roller coaster. I was in $100,000 of debt at one point. Um, so I, it's those pieces of the puzzle, I think, that make it possible for people to get on the path or get back to the path. Yeah. And all those links that Patty mentioned will be in the description of the episode. And, and, and Patty, I can't tell you, whenever I share the fact that you know, just about six and a half years ago, I filed for personal bankruptcy. Every time I share it, no matter where it is, if it's on a podcast, a training, I either get a DM or a, a message or an email thanking me because someone that was in going through or thinking about that uh, particular decision that they need to make, I help them gain more clarity that it's okay, that, you know, there are other there's other people out there just like them that, that have to go through that. And, and I was proof that you can come out even better on the other side. You know, it, it's not, it's not about those things that happen to you. It's about those things that happen for you. There's a purpose behind it all. And again, it, it's the thoughts, it's the feeling, it's, it's the actions, it's all of those things. And, and Patty love this episode. So before we close out final question, what does success truly mean to you? A success to me is having the freedom to fully utilize my gifts in the world and feel total and complete abundance in the process of doing it. I love that. And, and the one thing that I do want to clarify is when people hear the word abundance, mm. the, the immediate thing that people go to is money. Abundance is not money. Abundance is everything. Abundance is, is money, your friends, your family, the love. Like it's abundance can be whatever you want it to be. It can be an, an overabundance of whatever it is. And, you know, I've asked that question, you know, I'm approaching 400 episodes on this podcast and I've, I've done um, probably almost 200 interviews and, you know, not, not one person that I've asked that question to uh, has said it's about the money. 
It's it's always about something outside of of the fact that you know money comes when all of those other things are done and into place. And you know we always talk about how money is the uh, the side effect of when you are on the right path, you are doing those things, the impact is being felt, you're rewarded in the way that you specifically want to be rewarded. So Patty, thank you so much for coming on to the, the podcast today. Loved everything that you talk about. And um, I will highly encourage everyone who's listening to this to go check out pennylennon.com, um, buy her book, listen to her podcast. I'm going to be a guest on there um, later in July. So it should be out sometime then or in August. So definitely check that episode out as well. And, uh, and Patty, thank you again for being here. Thank you, Scott. So everyone, uh, as always, wherever you're listening to this from Spotify, iTunes, leave a rating and review. Let me know what you loved most about the episode. So everyone, please enjoy the rest of your days and I'll talk to you next time. Bye everyone. Thank you so much again for checking out today's episode. And if you are listening through iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are, please leave me a rating and review. Let me know what you loved, what you would like to see improved, or ideas you have for future episodes. And if you are interested in taking your business to the next level, don't hesitate to go to my website, www.scotterron.net where you can schedule a free discovery call with me where I can learn more about you, your business, what you're struggling with, and how we can work together. And don't forget to check out my wife, Nancy, and mine, our free community on Facebook called LinkedIn Leads for Life. We would love to see you in there. Have a great rest of your day. And thank you, everyone, for your support. Grateful for each and every one of you.